0: Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 163, part three of Father Ronald Rollhauser's talk, Radical Discipleship and Priestly Prayer.
1: I hope this microphone is clear, sound is good. One last little story before I begin the homily. And this morning, I just hope the three bishops are in good humor. And uh, I know they have a sense of humor that they can handle this little story. But, um, you know, in former times, some years ago, the bishop, it was his prerogative to give the last examination to a seminarian before he would, when he was ordained, before he would give him jurisdiction to work in his diocese. And a lot of bishops didn't do this. They would farm it out to the seminary. But some bishops did it, and they did it simply as a formality and as a way of meeting the seminarian. So the story is told about two young seminarians, just ordained. And it was the night before their jurisdiction exam with their bishop. And one was quite nervous, because he hadn't studied anything. (laughs) So he went to the other's room, and he says, "You know, I'm really nervous about this examination tomorrow with the bishop, because I've studied not at all. And the first seminarian said, "Don't worry. I'll go in first. I'll leave the door open a crack. You'll be able to hear the answers, and you can give them." And that's what happened. The next morning, the first seminarian went in to see the bishop, and the bishop looked at him and said, "Well, he says, "Imagine this. You'll be ordained, and one morning you're saying mass. you're celebrating the Eucharist, and right after the consecration now that the wine has become the blood of Jesus, a fly falls into the chalice. What would you do? The seminarian looked at the bishop and said, you know, Your Excellency, I would take my two consecrated fingers that you consecrated in holy orders, reach into the sacred wine, pull out the fly, hold them over the blessed candle. (laughs) He said the fly would die a holy death, he says, and then I would take the remains into the sacristy and very reverently dispose of them down the sacrarium. The bishop was impressed. He says, you are a very holy young priest. And he said, not yet, Your Excellency, but under your careful guidance, that is what I hope to become. Okay. Well, then, as they say in Ireland, your man went in. Okay. And The bishop looked at him and he said, you know, he says, uh, we have missions in Africa. And imagine you were sent to Africa, and they're saying Mass out of doors, and an elephant starts walking towards you. (laughs) What would you do? He said, well, I would take my two consecrated fingers that you you consecrated in holy orders. I'd pick up the elephant. He says, hold them over the blessed candle. The elephant would die a holy death said, so then I would take the remains in the sacristy and very reverently dispose of them down the sacrarium. Well, the bishop looked at him and he says, you're an absolute idiot. <laughs> and he said, not yet, Your Excellency. But the- <laughs> <laughs> I know they have a good sense of humor. Because they need it in today's church. <laughs> okay. But our feast the end of our, of our, of our time together and the homily. We celebrate today the Feast of St. Mary Magdala. I'm not sure if she was ever officially canonized as a saint, but she's one of the great apostolic figures in Scripture. And the beautiful text we read, the Gospel text, which contains many things. It's also the, the Ascension account in John's Gospel. But I want to zero in on one important part of that text. There's many parts of it of Mary Magdalene and the role she plays in Jesus answering a very important question. I talked to you yesterday, so I'm going to talk to you this morning about effective prayer. Yesterday we talked about priestly prayer. I want to talk about effective prayer. You know, John's Gospel is very, very different, as you know, from the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so John's Gospel starts with that famous prologue, in the beginning was the word, we read that yesterday here. Okay, and then there's no infancy. There's no Christmas story. Jesus isn't born in John's gospel. It's this philosophical thing. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. And right in chapter one, Jesus appears as an adult. So there's no baby Jesus, and there's no. Uh, John begins with Jesus as an adult, beginning his ministry. And the very first words out of Jesus' mouth in John's gospel, very important, his first mouth, uh, words that he's going to say are a question. So that the gospel, after the prologue, it opens with the disciples of John kind of curiously looking at Jesus. And out of curiosity, they walk past him, and Jesus says to them, what are you looking for? Sometimes it's translated as this morning, who are you looking for? It's the same in Greek. What are you looking for? And the question is left unanswered. And then you have John's entire gospel sits in between Jesus opening that question. What or who are you looking for? And it's answered in this morning's Gospel. It's answered at the end of the original Gospel of John because John's original Gospel ended with this text this morning. So it's the end of the Gospel. It answers the question. It opens the Gospel with, Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? And Jesus gives the answer. I mean, John answers the whole gospel is to say that. We're looking for the way, the truth, the life, revelation from God, and so on. But Jesus this morning puts it into one word, and I want to center in on that. Mary meets him on Easter Sunday in the morning, and she doesn't recognize him. And then Jesus turns to her and he says, What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And that's a direct quote with what John opened the gospel. And then before Mary can answer, Jesus answers the question himself. And he answers it in a single word. He says to her, Mary. Just that. He calls her lovingly by her name. Now, for John and the Jesus of John, that's the answer. See, John's whole gospel, John would say, what are we looking for in life? Or who are we looking for? That's why it works well in Greek. It puns. What is often a who. Who are we ultimately looking for in life? What are we looking for? We are looking to hear God lovingly call our name, to hear God say, Mary, Jack, Jennifer, Joseph, Ronald. See, and until we hear that, I just want to say, our lives, there's something fundamentally missing. There's a great insubstantiality in our lives. You know, we go through life, and consciously and unconsciously, all the time we are searching, we're restless, we're looking. It isn't right. It's not enough. It's not where I want to be. It's not the right job. It's not the right person to marry. It's not right. It's not right. We're always constantly looking for something. And that's because we, we feel deep down inside of ourselves our own lack of substance or insubstantiality. You know, there's a, there was an American baseball player back home, who was a very colorful guy, and he, uh, he, he, he had a great sense of humor, and he would always play the great egotist. For those of you who know American baseball, he was a man called Reggie Jackson. And one day he said on television, he said, you know, it's really difficult being me. He said, because I have to deal with the magnitude of me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I bring this up because we're always dealing with the exact opposite. We're always dealing unconsciously With our own non magnitude. Let me put that to you scripturally. You know, the opposite in the Bible, in in the New Testament, the opposite of faith is not non belief. Or the opposite of faith is not doubt. So Jesus doesn't get on our case much about doubting. He says, Don't be doubting. The opposite of faith for Jesus is anxiety, to be anxious. That's why Jesus has all those texts don't be anxious. You know, consider the lilies of the field. They don't spin, they don't reap, and yet nobody was ever dressed as beautifully, even Solomon, as a lily. Consider the birds. They don't gather, but God feeds them. So Jesus is always saying, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. And what are we anxious about? Well, Jesus answers that too. He says we're anxious about being forgotten. We're anxious about simply Disappearing. Maybe the idea of biblical anxiety. Have you ever had this experience where you go to your closet someday and you're looking for an item of clothing, a pair of slacks or a blouse or something, and as you're looking for it, you find another piece of clothing that you completely forgot you had. You're kind of surprised. Do I still have those slacks? Well, that's our worry unconsciously that someday God's going to look down here and say, my God, she's still alive, you know? (laughs) You know? completely forgot about her. See, there's this unconscious worry that we're going to somehow fall off God and the world's radar screen, that we will not be significant. We will not have any kind of substance. And so we spend our whole lives unconsciously always trying to create that. I want to do something. I'll write a book, have a child, plant a tree, all, whatever, Going do something, score a goal in the World Cup, but I'll do something then I will make a mark and I will be permanent. I will not be forgotten. See, that's biblical anxiety. And Jesus says, don't be anxious. He says, nothing will be forgotten. No bird falls from the sky and no hair falls from somebody's head except God notices. God is there and notices. And God gives us that magnitude, that substantialness. You know, the beautiful prayer we say in in the Eucharist, where we, just before communion, where we say, and deliver us from all anxiety as we wait in joyful hope. And I know so many priests who try to improve it, so they say, deliver us from needless anxiety or useless anxiety. No, no, they could just say, deliver us from biblical anxiety. (laughs) That's what's at stake here. Because we're always worried that we don't have substance. That's our deep, unconscious search. So Jesus asks, what are you looking for? What are we looking for? Well, we're looking for the only thing that can fill that in, as we heard in this morning's gospel, is God lovingly pronouncing our name. And that is what we seek for in the second form of prayer we do, which is called effective prayer, which is very different than priestly prayer. Yesterday I said priestly prayer is not about us. Effective prayer is very much about us. Just a quick story. Some years ago I went on a retreat with a French-Canadian retreat director, a wonderful, uh, deep, he's been directing souls for almost 50 years. And he seemed like an overly simplistic, pious man, and so I took a couple of books along in case he wasn't going to be very good. Um, (laughs) But he wasn't simplistic, he was just profoundly simple and deep. And he came in, it was a group, it was all priests, and he said to us, during this whole week, he said, I'm only going to try to do one thing with you. He said, I want to teach you, try to teach you how to pray this week. I want to try to teach you how to pray so that sometime, maybe not this week, maybe not even this year, but that sometime in your prayer, you are open to hear God say to you, I love you. He said, because before you hear that, nothing in your life will ever be enough. And after you hear it, it'll be enough. He said, we only need one thing. We need to hear God say to us in prayer, I love you. Because before we hear that, nothing will ever be enough. We'll always be searching some other person, some other friend, some other job, some other assignment, some other trip, some other vacation, some other something. But what we're ultimately searching for. See, Jesus questioned to Mary, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Well, the what and the who are the same. We are looking to hear God say to us, I love you. And so, that the whole purpose of all of our private prayer is that no matter what kind of prayer forms we use, is to try to open ourselves so that we can hear God give us substance, the substance we can't give ourselves, that we can have God take away our anxiety, because we're always anxious. What will I wear? You know, who will love me? Who will remember me? How will I leave a mark in this world? Will I get married? Will I have children? Will the children come home? Will I? On and on and on. Those are all anxious questions. They're human questions, but they, they only have one answer. And the answer is the answer that Jesus gave Mary in this morning's gospel. We simply lovingly pronounced her name, Mary. What we need to hear to take away our restlessness and to make our lives, to give them a substance we can never give ourselves, no matter what I achieve, no matter how many goals I score in the World Cup, no matter how many talk shows somebody can be on, no matter what can be achieved, and it can be Albert Einstein or, or anybody, we don't have substance, only God can do that, and we need to hear God say to us, I love you. That sounds pious, but it's not. It's the ultimate, everything about Scripture and everything about Jesus' invitation is about that. And this morning we have, it's, it's wonderful that this, this thing finishes on the feast of Mary of Magdala because she's the central figure in John's gospel. And John opens his gospel with her, well, not with her, with the question, What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Who's going to be the person or what's going to be the thing that is going to give you what you're always searching for? And then he gives Mary the answer on the morning of the resurrection, we simply pronounce her name, Mary. So I leave you with the, adverbal, the advice that this wonderful priest gave us in this retreat. He says, begin to pray, and begin to pray in such a way that you try to make space in life so that somewhere, maybe not today, maybe not at this Eucharist, maybe not even this week or this year, but sometime in our prayer, we're open. Where God can truly pronounce your name. You can hear your word, your name pronounced in love. You can hear God say to you, I love you.
0: So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey to maximize your potential to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life is filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.